I'm thankful to the Lord for giving me things that help me. And a lot of the times, it is just for me. But some of the times, it's things that I just know will be a help and a blessing to other people. So, I have to, I have to give you what the Lord gave me. And so, I think that's just kind of how it works. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. I want to read a few scriptures tonight, but I'll read them throughout the message as we get to them. This is one of those messages that I really feel like would be a great help to you if you can get it, if you'll listen, and if you'll think, and if you'll receive this, and if you'll apply it in your thinking and in your life. I really think it'll be a lifesaver somewhere down the road. It's one of these things that is basic. It's uh, it's just something that we we know, but we just neglect. We don't get it or something. It don't soak in. It just... Do you ever feel alone? Well, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. There's a... There's another level of feeling alone when you're in another country with another language and a different kind of people and you're by yourself. That's a different feeling of being alone. I want to read another verse. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Alright. Now feeling alone is a common experience of the human race. When I ask you here, do you ever feel alone? Everybody shook their head. Now there's very few of us. Well, I'm alone quite a bit. But most of you are not. Most of you are around family, around work. I mean, you're around people all the time. Noise. You don't... You don't... Uh, you don't ever have that alone time. But that don't mean you can't feel alone. You can feel alone in the middle of a crowd of people. And that's true. Being alone is not the same as feeling alone. And being alone sometimes is good for us. I think it is. I think being alone is a good medicine for all of us now and then. Not all the time. God didn't mean for us to be hermits or recluses. He means for us to, to get out there. I mean, there's people, there's needs, there's things that's got to be done and, and we need to help and we need to be a blessing and we can't do that hold up somewhere in a cave or something. So being alone is good for us sometimes and it's necessary for our spiritual health. You can't raise a family, you can't, have a marriage. You can't have a relationship of any kind. You can't have a, a worship service at church. You can't worship God alone if there's all kinds of commotion and going on around you. You got to have some quiet time when there's not all the distraction. 
So feeling alone has more to do with feeling abandoned. That's what I want to get at tonight. We're not talking about just being alone and feeling alone and lonely and need company and all that. No, we're talking about feeling like you've been abandoned. That's what people experience in old age. And almost nobody understands. That's what they feel. They feel like they've been abandoned. Everybody's left, everybody's gone, and they're alone. That's what uh, people experience when it seems like they've been passed over or forgotten by other people. Or when we've had a great disappointment or failure in our life. That's what you feel. You feel abandoned and alone. Y'all listening? Yes, sir. These are the things that bring on this thing. And it's a place where the devil likes to drive us because he can work us over when we begin to feel that way. Soon as you start feeling that way, the devil's on your back. Soon as you start looking around and say, well, they forgot me, or nobody cares, or, you know, I've just been overlooked. I must not be very important. When you start thinking that, that's when the devil jumps on you. In fact, he's already in the gate if you're starting to entertain those thoughts. That's when we start having pity parties, which are sinful in my opinion. Self-pity, I think it's sinful. It don't lead to anywhere but trouble in your soul and with God and with others when you start having pity parties for yourself. That's when you start doing it, when you start feeling like you're alone and abandoned. Start having pity parties. Start listening to the devil as he tells us how we've been mistreated and done wrong by others and even by God himself. Why'd God let this happen to me? It's when we begin to think of running away or quitting. Just quitting. Whatever we've been involved in or whatever it is that's let us down so. Ain't that the truth? It's what you feel like. You just think, what's the use? Nobody cares. I'm the only one who cares. Why, what does it amount to anyway? See? You think that's the Spirit of God prompting your thoughts? No, that's not the Spirit of God. That's the devil. And your own selfish self-pity. The devil's like a bully. You know, a bully is never brave. They're always a coward. If everybody could understand that about a bully, they won't attack you alone. They've always got to have backup. Now, they'll attack you when you're alone and they've got backup. That's the way the devil is. When's he going to come after you? When you're alone and weak. He's like a lion that goes after the helpless or the weakest because they're so much easier for him to devour. Elijah felt alone. How was he feeling when he felt alone? He just had a great victory. Why was he feeling this way? Well, because Jezebel said, by the, by the sunset tomorrow, you're going to be dead in a doorknob. I'm going to see to it. So he just sat down under a juniper tree and said, Lord, just let me die. I'm sick of it. I can't do it anymore. I'm the only one left. Lord, I'm the only one left. Was he the only one left? No. No. Never is. Never is that way. We just feel that way. Because the devil tells us to feel that way. And he covers everything else up, blinds our minds to the reality of things. 
Gideon felt alone, threshing wheat, and said to the angel of the Lord, If God's with us, then why are all these things befallen us? The angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said, Hail, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. That's what he said. Gideon's answer was, If the Lord be with us, then why are all these things befallen us? Well, just didn't have much hope, did he? He didn't. And then when he, when the angel told him what he was going to do, I'm the smallest. I'm the least of my family. I'm the least. My family's the least of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin's the least of all Israel. I mean, I'm the littlest of the littlest of the littlest. I don't matter about nothing. I can't do nothing. Well, who am I? Lone, threshing wheat. I'm sure Noah felt alone when he was preaching to a world gone mad like ours is for hundreds of years. Think about that. And then as he built the ark, I imagine he felt pretty alone. And then all the time they were in the ark until the waters were dried up off the earth, took a long time, 150 days. The waters were upon the earth. And the waters came down, but he didn't come out of that ark. Uh, in the 601st year of his life, second month, I think I read today, he took the cover off and looked out. And the land was dry. The earth was dry. But he didn't get out of that ark. Not until God told him to get out of the ark. Later, he was alone. I'm sure he felt alone when he got off of that ark into an empty world. Now the key to escaping this snare of the devil is to realize that we're never really alone and we're never really abandoned. Now please listen to me here for just a few minutes. I'm going to try to get through it as quick as I can here. But family trees, they're a big thing now. With all this DNA testing that's available, uh, which I don't don't really have a lot of confidence in that, just so you know. I don't think, I think that's just kind of like, you know, rolling dice or drawing lots or whatever. I mean, they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. And you, I just see all these people that go get it tested and they'll, they'll, they'll figure out, well, I'm so much English and I'm so much German and I'm so much this and I'm so much that. How you, you think, is that reliable? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's vain. But anyway, a lot of people are interested in their family tree. Find out about the people they came from. You know why they do that? Why are people doing that? Because they're looking for an identity. They want to know who they are. Isn't that right? That's, that's what they want to know, who they are. The reason for that is the desire in, the, the, this desire in people is that it has to do with that feeling of being alone. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I came from. And especially in a world like we live in now. No fathers. Nobody knows who the father is. Their mother was. I mean, lots of people are so mixed up. They don't know where they came from. So they're looking. We find comfort in the fact that we're just a small part of a much bigger thing than just our poor life. That's what they're looking for. They're looking to broaden their grip on things. Listen to me. Now, if we find honorable people in our family history, it makes us happy because it inspires us to think a little more of ourselves and set a mark for us to live up to. Isn't that right? 
That's what we're all hoping to find. Not everybody finds that. Not everybody has an honorable family tree to run back. I mean, if we find in our family history horse thieves and robbers and people of low or no morals, it has the very opposite effect. You know, Al told me that said Donna ran her family tree and said she had war heroes and honorable men all in her family tree. He said I ran mine. And said I found a horse thief first thing. <laughs> so that's not really what we need, is it? Not really what we need. We got a picture on our wall, and it's eight generations of our family back, the men. Well, that's kind of neat to look at and think about, but really, you know, maybe some of them were godly men. Maybe one of them out of the bunch that I've seen might have been, but I don't know. Lived 150 years ago. I don't know. Really. That's not where I'm going to get rid of this feeling of loneliness and this is the this that's sort of the condition that Israel was in when Jesus came. You know, their religion had turned into ancestry.com is what it was, and all that mattered was their earthly pedigree. See, they they could trace their heritage back to Abraham, and that's what mattered, see. But it's interesting to me that God just erased all that in seventy AD when all of that was destroyed. And now the only person that ever lived who can trace their their history, their genealogy, all the way back to Adam is Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's recorded in the Bible. Yeah. Romans 4 explains to us that the seed of Abraham is counted according to faith and not the law or the flesh. We're not a son of Abraham because we can trace our bloodline back to him. We're a son of Abraham we're counted as the seed of Abraham if we have the faith of Abraham. The Bible's clear about that. So nobody has to run their family tree back to Abraham to be included in the family of God. This is important. So that's the comfort. Here's the comfort that we can find to give us strength and courage when we feel we've been pushed into a corner somewhere alone. We do. We do that a lot. When our number's down here, when our number's up, we ain't got very many. When our number's down, it seems like so few. People get discouraged because they feel alone. Well, this will cure that. This will cure that. This will give you something to deal with that feeling of discouragement that you get over things like that. I have felt alone most of the time. Sure have. This has really helped me. we got to somehow become aware and live in the reality that we're connected to all the family of God in heaven and on earth. This is important. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The family of God is in heaven and on the earth. And our family is the family of God no matter what our earthly parentage happens to be. See? Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, 
For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. His mother and brethren were standing without desiring to speak with him and he said, you tell them this. My brother and my sister and my mother are those who do the will of God. What is it? My family. My family is the people of God. The family of God. Not the bloodline that I came from. You can be as proud as you want to of your bloodline. Or you can be as ashamed of it as you want to. You can be as ignorant of it as you want as you can be. Not know. A lot of people just don't know. But not this one. We got to realize that the family of God is all living and not dead. It's important. For Second Corinthians chapter five verse eight, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Matthew twenty two thirty two. Jesus said this, talking to those. Pharisees, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So we don't have any family that's dead in the family of God. They're all living. God's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. That's important. That's important. Can you get your mind to get a hold of that just for a second here? We're not talking to the dead. We're not dealing with the dead. They're alive. Yes, sir. Jesus said that to those Sadducees who thought there was no resurrection. (laughs) And he just threw it in after whatever else was going on. I liked it because Jesus just threw it. By the way, you know, you guys, let me just add this in there. Romans 14 verse 9 for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Y'all know what this says. Wherefore seeing we are also we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who's he talking about? Hebrews chapter 11 came right before that. The roll call of faith told us all the way back went through the whole list when he got on he said there's so many more time would fail me to speak of all that I could name who are all those people and why did he bring them up they're part of the family of God and seeing that we are so we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Alright, now listen. We've got to be like a tree. Do you ever think about trees? Your dad wrote a book on trees. Trees have roots. Trees don't make it without roots. We got to be like a tree with roots reaching farther than our shallow little life that we're living yes, and our our close little surroundings that we live in. Our world is pretty small that we live in. We better range out with our spiritual eyes and our spiritual mind and we better reach out beyond with our roots 
You're not going to be rooted in just what you know about here and now. Our local church is not sufficient to keep us from feeling alone at times. No matter how many activities you have, no matter how much you try to involve people, no matter how busy you try to make everything, and how much time you try to keep everybody at church, you're still going to feel alone. Now the church is necessary, and the church is God's... um, plan and design and it's for this age but it's not sufficient to keep us from feeling alone and abandoned at times our earthly family no matter how many or how near or dear they are is not sufficient to keep us from feeling abandoned and sometimes they're the ones who make us feel abandoned a lot of the times our roots have to go out farther and deeper and reach into the past Please don't leave me. I'm going to hurry and get done here, but I really want you to get this. Our limbs got to reach higher than eye level so we can see what's above us and before us. What kind of a tree is it that just limbs don't reach up high? What kind of a tree is it whose roots don't go deep? It's a tree that ain't going to amount to much. The tree's not going to last very long. It's a tree that's going to fall to the first storm or the first parasite or the first adversity that it gets. The roots give stability and sustenance and the limbs bear leaves and seed-bearing fruit. we got to be like that tree. With no root, there will be no tree before long. And if there's no tree, there'll be no fruit and no seed. We're talking about us. Talking about our life. We're talking about our spiritual life. Our walk with God. Our soul. Our spirit. We'll not feel alone, even if we are alone. If we can bring our mind and heart to the reality that we're part of the family of God of all ages. Can you, can you, you understand what I'm trying to get across to you? I thought about this today. I just thought about all the things I read. I read a lot of things that are from the past. What somebody said, what somebody did. And it's a, and it's very important. It's strength. It's sustenance. It's, it's, it's from another time. Another generation. Another world. And yet, it's, uh, and yet it helps me now. And that is very important to get it from faraway sources instead of just right under your nose. You all understand what I'm trying to get across to you. You say, they tell me that you look at a tree. And most trees, their root system is as big or bigger than what you see above the ground. But we never see that. But we see the results of it. We see the strength the tree has because of it. You go to try to pull a stump up and you can see. 
a green tree that's just been cut down, try to get that stump out of the ground. You got a task before you. In the small, those in the smallest churches or the most remote places don't ever need to feel like they're alone because you've got this great cloud of witnesses. You belong to a family that's not earthly, fleshly, temporal, passing. You belong to the family of God. God does not see us as if we're alone. That's not the way He looks at us. He looks at us as part of His family in heaven and in earth. Think about that. God looked down at Elijah. You know, having a pity party under a juniper tree. He was the only one. What does that look like to God? God sees everything. God was merciful, gracious and kind with Elijah and said, I've got 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal that you don't know anything about. See, God's looking. He don't see us like we see us. We see ourselves, I'm all alone and it's just so few and I don't know what we're going to do and it just looks like I ain't going to make it. And nobody cares. <laughs> and God's looking down from heaven at the family of God in heaven and on earth. Don't look that way from His perspective. And it shouldn't look that way from our perspective. If we have the mind of Christ, we'd see things like He does. We'd realize there's more to this than just what, what I see in my little bubble that I live in in Elsinore, Missouri. <coughs> Those who've gone on before us have left us with testimonies and hymns and songs and an infinite wisdom from their lifelong study of the Word of God. Woe unto the so-called Christian who just trashes all of that at the drop of a hat. Woe to the so-called Christian that lives without ever drawing from that well. God has bequeathed that to us. There's no end to the books that are written about the generations of God's people who've come and gone before we ever stepped onto the scene. No end to them. So I'll read my Bible. I don't read other books. Well, you're a dummy. That's all I've got to say for you. The Bible itself condemns that kind of ignorance. John ended the book of John saying, and I suppose that if all the things were written which Jesus said and done, the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And in Hebrews 11, he said, and time would fail me to tell. I mean, there's so much more to tell. There's so much more to be had. It's the family of God. It's the whole experience of God's people through the ages. And it matters. And it's important, more important than anybody here tonight thinks that it is. Their struggles, their victories, their defeats, their suffering. The grace of God that carried them through it all. How much do you know about it? How much do you know about your family? 
That's the tragedy of the time that we live in, is that families don't even know one another. They have no idea what brought everything to this, to where we are now. They have no idea. You cannot ever realize what you're a part of if you remain ignorant of your spiritual family's history. Everybody has this. I mean, if you question them a little, give them a little taste of their earthly family history, they'll perk up and listen because they want to know. It's interesting to them. They have a desire. They have a desire real quick. To, but where's your desire to know about your spiritual family? The one that really matters. Mm -hmm. The one you're going to spend eternity with. Yes, sir. The one who has something to give you, to help you. It's something that we're failing very badly with and not teaching to our children. The stories of faith in the generations that came before us. It's one of the great failings, I'm telling you. It's one of the reasons we're losing the battle. And the gener this generation has went to the devil. They don't know where they came from. They don't know anything except what they've seen in their little life. Church going. And the junk. And the criticism and all of that. They need to hear these stories of faith. And they need, to, they need to hear them and be very familiar with as much as you can give them. Stories of missionaries and martyrs and circuit-riding preachers and others who endured great trials of affliction such as prison and persecution and separation from loved ones and, and great personal loss. Those things have really helped me through the years to read those stories. They're real. They're true. They're not fiction. They're not made up junk from Hollywood or out of some novelist's mind. They're real people. We read to our children. We maybe didn't do enough. But we... I remember we refer to it still often about reading about John Patton. It was a big, thick book about John Patton. And I'm sure a lot of it was over their heads when they were little, but not too much. It was, it was a very, what do you call it? I mean, it was a very captivating story that really did happen. Yes. And it just, it leaves an impression on a soul that you just don't forget. And that's just one. There's endless, countless stories and, and it's recorded. You can read them. Why won't you read them? Why would you read these modern devotionals and, and modern blah from empty people who don't even know where they came from? Why would you read all that trash when you've got these wells to draw from. These are wells that our fathers left us. And it's a great loss on our part if we do not draw from them. We read the other day in John chapter 4, Jesus. <laughs> Where was He in John chapter 4? He was at Jacob's well. And the woman referred to this well that our father Jacob left us. 
Jesus was refreshed from that well. That woman was saved at that well. How many transactions, how much history, how many things happened at that well? Life-changing things happen at wells. You ever go? You ever draw from a well that somebody dug long ago? There's, there's a lot in the Bible about wells. And I remember preaching on it one time about Isaac and they, they, the Philistines stopped up. They filled up all the wells. And they dug them out again. Why would the Philistines do that? Because they don't want you knowing. See, Christians have made it so easy for this woke bunch of reprobates to erase history. Because we don't care about it either. A lot of these children never heard of all the people of the past. If I name names like Thomas Watson and, uh, you know, there's a missionary named Greenfield. I wonder how many even know about him. I mean, what a story. What he did. The determination. The, 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 all that happened in his life trying to reach people with the gospel. I could name... I could name some. It would be very few of the names that I could name that y'all would even recognize. Failure. Failure. They ought to be very familiar with them. It'll save their life. It'll It'll make the difference in their life. Somewhere down the road. When they feel no identity and alone and abandoned. Don't know where they're going or where they came from. They need to have roots that go way back. Way back in the past. Way deep. And they need to be, they need to be able to identify with them. It's important to know who you are. Spiritually. We just need to go there to these wells and visit often instead of drinking from the corrupt fountains of this world. And that's exactly what everybody's doing. They're drinking from the corrupt fountains of their music, their modern Christian so-called music, their modern Christian uh, philosophies and theology, which ain't even theology. Theology don't even enter into it. It's total feelings and pleasure. I'm not a real fan of John MacArthur, but the other day I heard him laying it on Joel Osteen, and I'm telling you what, buddy. Uh, he, he, about every name that he could be called, and I mean not, he wasn't just blasting him, he just said he's a pagan, and he's a reprobate, and he's of Satan. I mean, he said all that, and he told why. And he's right. He said he's given, he's offering people everything that the devil offers people. He's offering people what they want. He's offering them, offering the way. He said, I don't believe that I, he said, I believe he hates the God of the Bible. I believe he's right. Of course, who's going to listen to that? Because he makes you feel so good. (laughs) 
And He promised you such a wonderful life. And that God just wants you to be happy. Well, that's what everybody wants, see? Yeah. No roots. Does He ever... You know, He he don't even talk about heaven. No future. No history. It's just the right here and now. This pleasure-seeking generation is just... He's just what they want. God didn't send Him. The devil sent Him. And that's just what's going to happen to everybody. You know, everybody's got this... Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody and I... T- you know, the... And I thought about this during this here too. What is the difference between an independent spirit and a rebellious spirit? What's the difference? We've been independent Baptists all of our life. But I thought of this many years ago. I thought, you know, something about this. This identity. This spirit of I'm not accountable to anybody. And I don't need anybody. There's something wrong about that spirit. Yes, sir. Very wrong. Yeah. We're all accountable one to another. And we're all accountable to God. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you another little thing. We're all going to be held accountable for our generation and what we put in or what we took out. Mm-hmm. How we left. David, the Bible says, served his generation. Wow. And he did a good job. And we're going to give account too. For every idle word we speak. Well, yes, we're going to give account for how we came in and how we leave this world. I mean, and what we've done to the human race. What we've added or what we've taken away. The damage we've done, we're going to give account. We're part of a bigger thing than just our little bubble. The universe doesn't revolve around me or you. I'm part of the family of God. I'm just a little part. I'm glad I'm a part. And I'm glad I belong. And I'm glad that's my identity. And that's my identity first. I'm a citizen of that country. Not You know, I'm a citizen of the United States of America right now. But not first. No, I don't even count that. What's that worth right now? To me and to every Christian who ever lived, who really understood things, they're stranger and a pilgrim passing through here. I'm, I'm looking for a city. That's what Hebrews 11 said they were doing. They were looking for a city. They were looking for a country. Far away. Not here. Whose builder and maker is God. We need to read ourselves and we need to teach to our children diligence stories of them who've been faithful under communism and Islam and other God-hating governments. It ought to make us hang our head in shame the kind of Christianity we live while on the other side of the world, like in North Korea, they're put to death for having a Bible or giving it to somebody else or they're put in hard labor for life and they don't live long because they starve them to death and they still do it they still do it and they do it alone I mean 
you know, they don't have big churches to go to. And if they do meet together, it's not near as many as we got here tonight. And they still do it. What do you think they're holding on to? I mean, what's making them people do that? Well, they've got a grip on a bigger thing than most people here do. That's true. They realize what they're a part of and what it means to be a Christian. They're not just looking around saying, well, us three or four, we ain't never going to be able to do nothing. Let's give it up. Ain't nobody cares. All them people, all them Christians in America and the rest of the world, they've never lent a hand to help us here. What, you know, why don't they do something if they cared? If anybody could feel sorry for themselves, them, those kind of people could. Couldn't they? Did you ever think about it? All the uproar about paying reparations to the black people and all of the junk going on in the world and them people over there suffering like that and nobody lifts a hand to help them. And then our leaders talk about what a great guy he is. You know, Trump thought he was a great guy. I don't think he's a great guy. Because I know what he's really doing and what he's really like and so do the Christians who live in that country. It depends on who you identify with. Yep. We need to draw from these wells ourselves and make sure our children and grandchildren where to, know where to go to draw from them too. We ought to make sure they have access to that kind of stuff. Don't you think that's a right idea? Don't you think that'd be better to have in your home books like that rather than video games and toys and dragons and monsters and cartoons and heroes of the world? All these little kids, they want to be superheroes. They know nothing, nothing of where they came from or what's available in the past for them. We need to draw from these wells ourselves too. It'll give them that identity that they'll need when they find themselves feeling lonely and abandoned. And that's exactly what's going to happen. That's where the devil is going to drive them. Mark her down. Don't you all understand that? Failing in this matter puts us in great peril because we're leaving a door open for the devil to attack us in a very vulnerable place when we're feeling alone and abandoned. Failing to pass this important concept of life and spiritual reality to our children almost assures that they'll lose their way in this dark and ungodly world that's gone mad. Don't y'all y'all believe that? You understand that? They gotta have this. They've gotta have roots into the past. They gotta know where they came from. They gotta know what this is all about and how this came about. This didn't start a few years ago. We're not just doing our own thing that we got together and made up. You know, I don't want these children to ever think that this church is just something Papa thought of or just something that a few people got together and decided they wanted to do to have a good time three times a week together and fellowship and all that. I don't want them thinking that. they got to understand that this came from much more than that. 
my spiritual genealogy, whatever you want to call it, heritage, I can trace it back through a few generations of people who made a difference in my life. Hadn't been for them, I would have never. <laughs> and, and I know who influenced their lives. That if, if it hadn't been for them, they would have never been able to influence me. And then there was somebody before them. That's the way it came. The faith that was once delivered to the saints. It's been passed generation after generation down to me, to you. That ought to be something of value to you. It ought to be something you want to know about. It ought to be something that you would tell your children about and explain to them and make them understand that this is how it came to me and now it's come to you. You need to know these things, children. Man, the Indians of the Plains and of America, they did better at it with no writing or anything than we're doing with all of our the means at our hands. They, they made a big deal of passing their history to their children through stories and things so they would know where they came from and know about their past and who they were and who their people were. But we just treat the church like it's just a, a game we play, a party we go to, a social club we belong to. It'll be here today, but it may be gone tomorrow. I mean, who knows? We're just having a good time while it lasts. No. It'll never work that way. Never work that way. We nurture pride in an earthly pedigree and we criticize and condemn our Christian brethren and the church and all that's wrong with the church and the churches and all that's wrong with the people that claim to be Christians. And we say so much about that. We, we, they hear us as we do that. And we leave off teaching them about the great people of God of the past and somehow then we think that they're going to choose to live for God. And we greatly err. They're not going to. They don't know nothing about their past. Just like this generation, whatever it is, millennials, Z, whatever. It's the last one. Just like them. They don't know where they come from. They don't care about anything. They don't know where they're going either. And that's the state of the church for the biggest of the churches. Most people don't know where they came from, how we got this. They don't even know where this Bible came from. They don't know the history of this book. And so they'll swallow anything that comes down the pike. Any other version. Oh, it's the same. It's the same. No, it's not the same. And you know how hard it is to get people to watch a video or read any books about the history of this book? Ain't nobody interested. They don't want to know about it. So they don't want to fight and argue with people. Most people believe in other versions now, so forget it. Just don't make that an issue. No, it's core issue. Read. Read. Instead of watching videos, read. And study the Bible. That means study it. Cross-reference. 
Look things up. Tie things together. See how it all works together. And then all the other written resources that have been left to us at such a great cost. And avail yourself of the strength and the encouragement and the inspiration and grace that is just, it's there just by looking at it and considering it. You can't read that stuff without being affected. You can't read that stuff without being inspired. Can you? Can you? I never could. (laughs) I always just go away humbled. (laughs) And and determined that I'm going to walk closer to God. And I'm going to do better. And I'm going to quit fooling around and playing games. That's, that's how it's always affected me. I need to step up. That's how it's always affected me. Become familiar with the family that you're going to spend eternity with. I've seen this picture of John Wesley and it, it had a little quote under it and it said, John Wesley said, I can't even remember it all, but he said, do all the good you can with all the people you can, where you can, when you can, as long as you can. You know, he just went on and on. And I just thought, yeah. Thank you, Brother John Wesley, for saying that to me today. I'm glad I could hear what you said for 300 years ago. 200 and something. Thank you. Being dead, yet speaketh. It's not going to be like everybody thinks. You know, we think that everybody's going to be so different. No, we're not. The family has similar traits. And I don't think it's going to be a big surprise when we get to heaven and we see the personality and the character of David and Abraham and Moses and Peter and the apostles and all these that have lived in the centuries since. Familiar thing. I heard a man the other day and he was a well, he looked like a man that lives in the jungle. I mean, he was clothed and everything, but he had a robe on, a long white beard and everything. But he was talking about sheep and goats. He had a deep accent, you know, a rich, whatever you call it, heavy accent. But everything he said was just exactly right. Just exactly the same things that we talk about and that we know from the Word of God about sheep. And goes, my sheep, they hear the voice of the shepherd. They finally said, a goat won't do that. goat won't listen. Become familiar with the family that you're going to spend eternity with. You can. You can. Get to know them. And make them the heroes your children look up to instead of the ungodly people of this world. And yourself. Make them the people you look up to and not people of this world who've made it, who've rich, and who know how to do things and who've got things. 
Oh, what a what a vain thing. And then let us serve one another in this generation in love and respect and honor with those of the family of God who we are laboring with in this generation. Are y'all listening to me? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Household. We're of the same household. And we ought to treat each other like family. And we ought to value each other like family. The people we're serving God with. In this generation. Get the long look. Back into the past. And forward into the future. You got a big. lot bigger footprint when you do that. You've got a lot. Stronger grasp on things. When you do that. You know I've noticed this. Here you go. Women stand with their feet together like that. And, and, you know, they're shaped different men. So the wind can just blow them right over. You know, men don't stand like that. Men stand. <laughs> I stand with my feet out like that all the time. I just naturally do it. And I'm not about to fall over. <laughs> my feet are, I've got a tighter grip on the ground than she does. I can just walk by and, poof, and just blump, 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 there she goes. But he doesn't. No, but I could. I mean, I'm just telling you the way that it's not, it's not uh, stable. Reach back in the past and look far into the future. Look at this thing like it really is. We're talking about eternity. Reach back as far in the past as you can reach and get some roots back there to draw strength from. People who have lived and died, they're the ones whose testimony is sound. I remember Don Boys years ago said, don't ever make a hero of somebody as long as they're living. Wait till they're dead. (laughs) Wise. That's right. I've always remembered that. These people that have finished their course and they've kept the faith. And they finished well. And we know the end of their conversation. Yes. They are wells to draw from. They're strength for us. They're encouragement. You're never alone. You can always go to one of them. They're not dead. They're alive. Their stories still sound out. Yes. Because they're recorded. God recorded a bunch in this book. And then there's endless resources. Better tie these knots tight with the children. I'm telling you. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them. Where where this came from. The deeper and wider the root system, the more able we are to stand in such an evil time. Even if we're alone and feel abandoned. Amen. Well, I hope you got some of it. I hope you got some of what I was trying to get across to you. I don't know.
It helped me greatly. When I was a kid, I liked reading biographies and history. I always liked history. I hear other people say they hated it and they didn't make didn't see why it was important and all that. I never felt that way. It was always interesting to me. Yeah. I've always appreciated looking at more than just this generation. Look across the generations. We sold his property here and all the paperwork and the deeds and the and the uh what you call it, abstracts and stuff of the property here. There's a lot of stories to be told about this property right here. This is Schoolhouse Hill, they call it. This where the first school was built in the 1800s, right here in Elsinore. And uh, but you'd never know it by looking out there now, would you? You'd never know it by hearing all the racket going up and down the streets and the people that live around here and the way it looks now. If you just look here, and this is all you see, but it it's a whole different thing. You can look at it different when you can look at it and realize that's where this used to be, and that's where that used to be. I've been here all my life, so I remember. I can't never go through town. I drive through town, and I remember who used to live there, what kind of house used to be there that they tore down and built that. I remember what used to be here. Just you say, well, you're just old. That's why. That's just what old people do. No, that's what you need to do. You need to have a grip on the past where you understand things. Right. Comes in handy, but I'll tell you, a lot of times knowing stuff yes. that other people don't know, yeah. especially younger people. I've been around so long. I've seen it all. I'm just watching reruns now. That's I'm talking about people and their lives and the things they do and the way things work and all of that. I'm just watching reruns. Amen. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. Thank you for the message. Thank you for speaking to my heart with it. I pray it be a blessing and a help to somebody else. You'd encourage somebody and help them to get a hold of this truth here and reach out with their roots deeper and farther and get a hold, stable, where they can know who they are, where they're going, who their folks are, and who they belong to. I pray you'd help Lord, Spirit of God, I pray you'd interpret where it's not understood right and the language is insufficient. Lord, I leave that in your hands. Pray you bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen.